Good morning. You might be surprised to uh, to hear that visions, having a vision, it's a form of revelation. God reveals His will or His purpose through a vision. And I know you're 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 going to question me on this. But it's a biblical fact. For instance, uh, a vision can come to a dream, a trance. Primarily, the difference is that dreams occur during hours of sleep. While visions happen on a, uh, when you're fully awakened or conscious. So there's a difference. Let me repeat it again. Dreams course, goes to sleeping. In visions, is when you're about to have lunch. You know, I, I, can, I can hear my spirit just looking at what I just ordered. I can see a picture of it. So there's a few uh, exemptions. God himself said this in Numbers 12, 6. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make himself known to me. I shall make himself known to me in a vision. I shall speak to him in a dream. So God is the one that instituted this mode of communication. It's not something that some preacher made up. He, God has this way of doing things. He communicates with visions and dreams. God spoke this to Miriam and Aaron when they challenged Moses' position as God's sole spokesman to the people of Israel. He said, I, I speak with Moses face to face, literally mouth to mouth. So, we need to understand dreams and visions as God speaking to His people. Because... Uh, it's important. It's important. Prophets and pastors or evangelists are not the only ones who hear from God in dreams or visions. I've, I've met thousands of people who come to me after a meeting or and say, I've had an experience with the Lord. I've I had a, 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 an experience with God. Now, the criticism toward people who do not understand these things uh, should not be heard. You know, really, if you keep on listening to the negative side of what people say, you'll never be able to please God. So, boo feathers to them. Amen? I think we need to stay in a position to where God can use us. Now, even the hidden in the Old Testament heard from God. For instance, do you know the case of Sarah, of Sarah taken by Abimelech? And, uh, and, of course, that's an interesting story in Genesis 20, verse 3, and 20, uh, verse 6 and 7. Abimelech did as God ordained him to do. But God came to Abimelech in a dream 
by night and said to him, You are but dead. For the woman you have taken, she is a man's wife. So God spoke to someone else to inform of Gideon, for instance, of what God wanted him to do in Judges 7, 13 through 15. And of course, Gideon followed the order of the Lord and, uh, and, and it was based upon a vision of somebody else. 300 men against the Midianites and he won the battle. Next. To unbelieving, unbelieving Egyptians in Genesis 40, when Joseph was in prison, interpret two dreams, one of the Pharaoh's butler, the other the baker. Three days later, the butler was released and returned to service. The baker was hanged. Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams elevated him to second in power uh, below Pharaoh. And so a dream and a vision can really change history. And you have to sort of uh, uh, understand that and be kind to that and, and be understanding to that. Again, a lot of people probably come and say to you, well, I don't believe this type of thing. I don't, I don't think I like to do this. You people are a little odd. You're a cult. You're, this is odd. Well, you're, you're, you're laughing and ridiculing something that God himself instituted. So watch your mouth. Number three, Blaban was a dreamer. Was an Aramean, I'm sorry. A Syrian, Aramean. Jacob left his wives and flocks. Laban pursued him to kill him. And God came to Laban in a dream and, uh, and told him, uh, you follow, <laughs> you, you're after the wrong guy, don't do that. Now, good. So I think by these scriptures and what I just said to you, uh, uh, you are uh, able to uh, understand this and, and uh, able to comprehend this a little better and, and be nice to me. Amen? Okay. Now, what is the language of dreams? Because dreams have uh, uh, symbolism in them. And if God uses symbolism, it has to be, it has to be scripturally founded. God speaks the same way in Genesis as He speaks in Revelation. It doesn't change. But the language of dreams is important to understand because then symbolism is not something the mind made up, but the Scripture actually imparts upon you the, the core of what God is trying to do. Because everything that God does has a purpose. When you see a dream or a revelation, He's trying to go somewhere and get somewhere and do something. It's not just to give you a uh, a, a little spiritual kick. Not something that you sort of uh, get in order to sort of feel spiritual. It's not something that uh, you experience in a Pentecostal manner. Let's take a look at that. In Matthew 16, 18, Peter is at the entrance of... of uh, a very important thing. 
because on this rock I will build my church. It's in the interest of a, a, a very important statement, Matthew 16. Rock here is symbolic. You don't say Peter is a rock. But on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On the concept of revelation. Men was created on the sixth day. God rests on the seventh. The numbers also play an important part. It's not, it is symbolic. But it's simply saying that there's an order when God worked and when God rested. For instance, uh, uh, there's, there's uh, symbolic names, names that reflect the character of a person. First Samuel uh, 20, 25, 25, Nabal is Nabal's wife Abigail speaking to David about her husband. Nabal means dote, airheaded, blockheaded, ignoramus, dumbbell. That's what Nabal means. Names carry weight in the spirit. You know, you remember Johnny Cash's song, uh, I named that boy Sue? Yeah. It's just another way of saying, what kind of mother would name her son Sue? <laughs> also symbolic directions. For instance, when we go to Jerusalem, it's always up to Jerusalem. If you are in Jericho. It's 17 miles and a half going up. When you come from Jerusalem into Jericho, the oldest city in the world, it's all the way down. You can feel it, you know, coming down, coming down, coming down. In Genesis 12:10, Abram went down to Egypt. It doesn't probably mean that Egypt is down, but he went down. So language Directions, symbolic directions, are to be understood that way. Also, symbolic creatures. In Revelation 12, 9, it says the dragon, the serpent. Well, we know that uh, Satan is, is, a, is a fallen angel, defeated, and uh, he should look like a normal person, but his heart is totally deceived. He came to kill, rob, and destroy. He's not a serpent. In the Garden of Eden, an alien came from somewhere in the form of a snake. But we're talking about a symbolic creature. Because evil is not personified. Evil is, 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 is general. Satan can be anger, accusation, anxiety, turmoil, selfishness. And so when you begin to deal with others and you see somebody condemned, put down, harassed, you're seeing a form of demonic activity. Because when you begin to doubt that God called you, that God has a purpose in your life, that God will guide you, that God will lead you toward a future, that God has a purpose, you, lose, you get strength out of it. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with this very much. I'm... I'm I'm doing an experiment. I get up at 5 in the morning. I get on my knees. And I pray. Now, I go to bed 8 o'clock. So it's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's 4. 
and then of course uh, another another five. So that's nine hours or eight hours. So I should get plenty rest. So why in the world should I be tired? Since I got eight hours. But I got eight hours in the wrong way. You know, I got, I got it in the middle of the night and I got it another way, a different way. So, I want to tell Satan that I'm, I'm covered. I'm rested. But even though my body feels tired and worn out, there's no sleep that will rest me when I'm in conflict with the devil. There's nothing that can give me strength when I'm in conflict with the devil. So you've got to know, he's, he's uh, the deceiver. He, he paints himself as an angel of light, and he causes you as symbolic creatures. In uh, Revelation 13, 16, 13, in 14a, frogs are unclean spirits. So, I must have a bunch of unclean spirits up in my backyard all night long. They're not demons, they're prey frogs. But in Revelation 16, 13, 14, frogs are unclean spirits. Now, colors also represent something important. Number five in the Bible. Amber in Ezekiel 1, 4 refers to the glory of God. When God came into the tabernacle of the congregation in the wilderness, remember that God was in Mount Sinai. Then He gets back down, all the way down to the tabernacle of the congregation. Any man that would bring an animal caught on a string to be brought in, to be burned as a burned offering, would look upon the tent on the top of it and was white. A cloud. Just a beautiful, beautiful, heavy cloud. Not, 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 not just a dark cloud bringing rain. A beautiful, 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 uh, sunny side, clean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cloud. Now, that's the glory of God. Black represents sin. Death, famine, Revelation 6, 5. Blue represents the Holy Spirit in heaven, Numbers 15, 38. I don't have time to cover all these scriptures because we're just uh, 30 minutes over here. But, but crimson, scarlet, in Isaiah 1, 8. I'll, 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 I'll change your sins as, as crimson and pure white. Purple is the kingship, John 19, 2. All the kings were dressed in purple. Blood symbolizes bloodshed, war, Revelation 6, 9. White purity, Revelation 6, 2. So, when I speak about these things and about, about prophetically speaking, I'm saying to you that there's a lot of symbolic, there's a lot of uh, 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 understanding as to what God is trying to do uh, in this area. Now, having said this, I want to then uh, speak to you about uh, this. Uh, the title of this Bible study is... How to understand dreams and visions. How to see it. How to put it into effect upon your life. And I spent about 15 minutes uh, dealing with it. So now I'm going to go to another area that deals with this. All that I'm saying to you today is that you want revelation from God. 
you want the Lord to reveal to you His perfect will. Because when you are out of the will of God, oh, it kills you. You barely can breathe. But when you are in the will of God, there's life in it. I can tell you myself, after the events that took place in RBM about, uh, I'd say, six months ago, uh, uh, and in my personal life, I, uh, I felt, I felt just horrible. I, uh, I, I went into depression. But as I began to look at uh, my call and what God had done for me, I began to, uh, to win back. How did I win back and begin to hear God? I began to call for a revelation from God. I asked him to speak to me, to talk to me. What's going on? You forgave my sin. You cleansed me. You blessed me. You strengthened me. And here I am, uh, defeated, falling apart, and just no purpose in my life. So I want to spend some time in that area. Revelation from God carries intent, content, muscle. It's not just something for you to know and get a kick out of it. Revelation comes and reveals. There are three forms of revelation in the Scriptures. And it begins with the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Word of knowledge is past and present. Word of wisdom is future. Discerning of spirits is ten feet in diameter. Now the content of that, it's not for you to know, it's for you to see the needs of others. For instance, when you are within the, the revelation mode of ministry, God began to use you. Now, look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah, God said to him, I formed you in the womb. I knew when you were just a little speckle in in the womb of your mother, I formed you, I created you, I called you out of the womb. Amos is a different type. He was taking care of the sheep and a herdsman, and God says, come on, you're going to serve me. You are going to speak for me. Ah, he came out of nowhere. Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, all of these prophets in the Bible, they were brought in by the need of the people, the people of God. Elijah and Elisha weren't born prophets. God called them. Remember, uh, Elijah came from Gilead. And, uh, <laughs> and God <laughs> put him in the wilderness of, of Kerith and, <laughs> and fed him with a piece of bread and roadkill. Six months later, he meets the wheat of Zarephath and prepare himself to meet Ahab uh, uh, and his wife, Jezebel. And so, all of us that are living in the 21st century, like you and I, we want God to use us. And that's when dreams and visions and transits become a part of the prophetic in your life. What do you mean by the prophetic? It means that when you open your mouth, you are within the will of God, speaking what God tells you to speak. Every time God spoke to me like that, I have been accused, tormented, bothered, harassed by the devil night and day. And the reason why is because I did what God told me to do. You see, we speakers, ministers, evangelists, and pastors, we want to look good. I'm proud to be a Methodist. That really appeals to the 
method is flesh. Well, you see, if you're spending time talking about the Methodist church, you're going to be surprised. Because God is not a Methodist. I hate to tell you. God is holy. And so when it comes to a call, it comes to a, a, a prophetic call in your life, it involves speaking at the time that God wants to speak. Not when you, you, you need to speak. Or you feel like you want to speak. And so how to transform teaching, how to transform preaching, how to transform praying, how to transform deliverance, how to transform healing as prophetic. That's, that's where the cookie crumbles right there. Because out of the will of God is jibbery. Within the will of God is power. Out of the will of God is jibbery. It means jibbery for, for those of you in China. It, it means is, is uh, uh, no, no sense at all. It's just talk, 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 talk. Uh, uh, there, there's a word for that, uh, squat, gibbering, squat. It simply means, it's just talk. You can live on that type of thing all your life. But when God begins to use you in the prophetic, it simply means He knows that you are listening to Him. You are tainted to His voice. You're, you're, you're seeking. When you go to a football game, the first thing you want is when the pass from the quarterback on the 20-yard line goes in the air. And man, you, you, you follow that ball. Oh, oh, oh. And when he gets down there, the guy picks it up and runs into a touchdown. Oh my gosh. That just, you get up and just shake hands with everybody. That's when people, strangers become happy. And they shake each other's hand. That's the first time. A big, big old guy shook my hand. But he didn't talk to me during the whole game. Only when the touchdown <laughs> came in. I said, I don't want to shake your hand. I don't know where your hand has been. But anyway. So prophetic is the voice of God for the moment of God, for the place of God, for the object of God, for the, for the healing of God, for the purpose that God has in your life. When that's done, you move into a new dimension. A new area of ministry. A new place to be vocalizing God's will. Now can God then speak to you directly and tell you exactly what you are going to do? Well, that's what a dream is, a vision is, and a trance is. You know, Peter was having lunch. He had a trance. Three times out of heaven came a sheet with uh, animals in it that were, that were the double hoofs which are unclean animals to a Jew. And God said to him, what I, I made those clean. Kill it and eat, Peter. Peter says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And so, you have a trans-giving direction to an apostle of the Lord that been through Pentecost to go to Joppa and to be there in the house of... Uh, of uh, Cornelius. Now, let me say this to you. Every call of God can be effectively endowed with power and renew and strength if you are going to come into this area. If you come into this area and you begin to do what the Lord calls you, get ready to be embarrassed, get ready to be tormented the day after, get ready to be bothered. But I can tell you, 
the fruits are going to be many. God is going to bring fruits. You know, there's, there's eight or nine people that have called my son in Lakin and said to them, I didn't know that your father is, is the bond film that went to the church there and made a call for renew and deliverance to a congregation. And my son is calling me in the middle of the night saying, Dad, I had another call. Dad, I had another call. Dad, I had another call. So the prophetic permeates the moment, creates new opportunities, and does... Uh, for instance, I had a, uh, an interesting thing. I went into this church in Atlanta, and, uh, and I had a healing service. Well, a lady was healed. Supposed to be operating the next day. They couldn't find the tumor. That happened during that service. See, I had no idea. I didn't even refer to that. All we did is to just prophetically did something a little different. God told me to get two basins of water, tell people to come forward, sprinkle their own heads with water. Now, now, now that's just a little odd. But it was prophetically. God told me to do it. I did it. You probably say, Rick, we are a very, very uh, balanced, organized community of believers. We don't like excess. Well, God, God does excess all the time. He lives on the excess. And so, my son, Sammy, keep on calling me. My son, Rick, keep on calling me. Dad, this is what happened. And this is what's going to happen. This is what... In other words, I'm, I'm being inundated with people that God has blessed abundantly in the last week. And the hundreds and hundreds of people. Are you involved with visions as a mode of revelation, dreams and transits? Are you involved into the will of God? Do you want God to communicate with you and speak to you when there's a need? Oh, I tell you, I'm in horrible need right now. My heart hurts in all kinds of ways. And, uh, and uh, I, I'm bleeding, I'm crying, I'm just, 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 just agonizing these days. If it wasn't for hearing from the Lord, I think I'll die. Do you see, for me, in my time of need, this became life. And so when I come into prayer, I'm seeking a vision, a dream. I'm seeking His will for the day. And, and today, as I came to the office, the Lord says, pick up this Bible study and do this Bible study. I heard very clearly, not just five. I had five in my hand. I picked up one. And, uh, and I'm talking to you about this one. What I'm saying to you, is that being under the revelation of God will heal you. Let me tell you this. If you're trying to heal by talking and eating, you're not going to make it. You think that a piece of steak will give you strength? It will not do nothing to you. What does is when you just lift your hand and you begin to pray. Oh God, Heavenly Father, I praise you, Lord Jesus. I give you glory, God, for my life. God, I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day, God. I thank you, God, that you have a purpose for my life, God. I ask you to renew me, to strengthen me, to forgive me, to heal of my sins. Strengthen me, God, I praise you, Lord. When you do that, you are touching the prophetic of God. But if you just talk and you hurt and talk and you hurt, you're never going to be touched by the Lord. You've got to realize that uh, He is requiring of you something else. These days I have an empty house. 5,000 square feet of emptiness. 
And I walk all over it, up and down, up and down, up and down, three floors, asking the Lord in the morning to heal me, to strengthen me. I'm not telling you that somehow the evangelist that he's teaching you this morning is all okay. I'm a mess. I tell you, I'm a mess. But I have hope on the cross of Calvary. I have hope on the bloodshed of Jesus. And I'm so glad that I live in the New Testament. I don't have to tote a bullock, a bullock up to the brazen altar and cut his throat and see his blood splashed everywhere, see the skin taken out and cut into pieces the offering and put on the brazen altar and burn. I don't have to do that. I have a Savior that was perfect, perfect, pure, pure. And on Him I put my hand on His head and I receive His sacrifice, His healing, His deliverance so I can live as long as God gives me to preach the gospel throughout the world. Let me ask you this. What are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing with your call? What are you doing with the call that God has given you? I pray that today you receive a prayer. Let me pray for you. Amen? Before that, let me drink this up. This Brazilian coffee. John Wayne. My hero. Heavenly Father. There are so many people here at this very moment, Lord. That are broken. Much more broken than I am. Some of them, God, are so hurting. They lost loved ones. They lost their mother, their father, their children. Like that couple at Mount Bethel Church, Lord. That mother lost her husband and her daughter in an accident. But this morning, Lord, I pray that you be with the broken in the streets of Atlanta. That you be with the lost in Athens, Lord. That you be with those that are being rejected, put down, harassed. Be God with those that are hurting. Deep wounds into their souls that are not healed yet. I ask you, God, to heal it. I ask you, Lord, to have mercy, Lord, upon, upon, upon the hurting, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, that you continue to do what only you can do, God. So come, Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pronounce you healed, delivered, set free. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God, Amen. Clamando no escuro 